0: An abortion.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, having done a lot of these interviews, and it's uh, one, one of the, uh, the, the greatest parts of my job is to see, you know, like people like Abigail, who we're going to speak to in a moment, whose whole life is transformed, and perhaps they never even thought that God wanted to, to, to forgive them, or maybe they didn't think they were worthy of being forgiven. Uh, what is, uh, I guess, you know, the, sometimes the hesitation that some people have? Because on the outside, it's like, come on, sign up, go, it's going to change your life. But it's not always that easy, is it, for, for women or men?
0: Definitely not. It's something that people just don't talk about. Um, and a lot of people who have suffered from an abortion, um, either having an abortion or being part of it, have just kind of stuffed it away and don't want to think about it. And, um, you know, in society, we don't really talk about it. There's no grieving process. You know, if you have an abortion, there's not really an opportunity to grieve what you've been through. You just don't want to think about it.
1: Yeah, and many voices in the culture are also saying, hey, it's, you know, it's no big deal. It's just a procedure. It's, you know, like having a you know your tonsils taken out or something it's just you know no big deal but that's not the case is it uh, for a vast vast majority of people they 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 li- they live with tremendous regret
0: you're right and ju- and because of that because society says oh it's okay people who are suffering might think wow what's wrong with me why can't i get with it why you know why is it affecting me so badly and they don't realize that most people do have some kind of trauma or depression. It's just not talked about.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So there is a Rachel's Vineyards Retreat as of the time this airs. It's this coming Friday. It's the 17th. It's St. Patrick's Day. It starts and goes, yes. interestingly, all the way to St. Joseph's Feast Day. So you got these bookmark amazing saints on either end, which is such a blessing. And we'll come back at the end after we talk to Abigail and give more of the details. But uh, what exactly is going on this week?
0: Um, we are getting prepared for the retreat. Um, we will start on March 17th. Uh, anyone who has had a, an abortion, um, or who has been part of abortion or affected by an abortion, such as, you know, the men who are involved, grandmas, you know, who have, who have lost a grandchild, anyone who has been affected, um, can call and come to the retreat and it starts uh, on Friday evening and it'll go all the way through Sunday afternoon at a beautiful place uh, and we'll have Uh, compassionate people they are just ready to serve and ready to help with the healing
1: all right and you can go to racheldallas.org for more information you can also email Debbie at healing at racheldallas.org the phone number 214-544-CARE 214-544-2273 is the number and let me bring Abigail into the conversation as I mentioned uh, Abigail about five years ago attended a uh, Rachel Vineyard retreat and I don't know really anything about Abigail's story, so I'm learning uh, along with all the listeners right now. But uh, Abigail, thank you for uh, being part of the program today. Nice nice to meet you on the radio.
2: Thank you, Dave. Thank you for, for having, uh, for giving me the opportunity to share this with, with many women and men out there.
1: So, take us back. Like I said, I don't know anything about your story. Tell us about uh, the circumstances and when the uh, the unfortunate abortion uh, happened in your life. <coughs>
2: Well, it was um around twenty three years ago um uh I was divorced from from the father of my two children and um and started um uh, dating this wonderful gentleman and uh fortunately well well we didn't plan on on getting pregnant but it was it was not in the plan he was a widow. Children were. There were a lot of children involved. So uh, unfortunately, uh, the decision um, was there. Like what we had to do. Um, um, I, my ex-husband uh, came into the picture, and uh, since I was feeling a little bit uh, uh, undecide, undecided of, of, of how I wanted to proceed with uh, with my pregnancy, but never in my mind it occurred that I wanted to have an, an abortion. Um, it's it's just mothers don't do that um but um, um sadly he kind of pushed me and uh and i'm not blaming anyone but myself um um when i was uh, there at the clinic i had the 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 urgency to to walk out but uh not knowing and being afraid and not uh not asking uh i remember receiving a, a pill and i didn't know what it was i didn't know if it was a Painkiller or uh, something to calm my nerves or what it was, but I assume it was that da- it had damaged my child already. So just I was a coward, and uh, I, if I would have walked away at the, the moment when I felt the need to walk out, uh, I would have, but I I didn't, and um, I I went through with the, with the abortion.
1: Mm. And so that was around the year 2000. You said about 23 years ago. And then I I think if I do the math, about 18 years later is when you uh, went on the Rachel's Vineyard Retreat. Well, how how soon after that abortion did it sounds like you were remorseful from the beginning and you just really didn't want to do it and you got pressured uh, like you said you you take the blame, you know, the, yourself as well, but uh what was it like in the the early months and years of after the abortion? Did the pain come pretty quickly?
2: Um it, it was just weird. Uh I I did not know what was happening with me. I remember of course being depressed, sad, numbed uh, um just doing everything in automatic i had like i said two two other children and um they were four and five years old and uh everything was just uh um it, it, it was it was so weird uh, i now that i think of it and when i was when after my retreat like I, everything made sense uh how i had um uh outburst of rage uh all of a sudden and and sadly like my uh, my screams and my uh my anger would would aim towards my my two children like i was already divorced so it was just me and them and um uh, of course not knowing why i would get so angry like i i remember uh just um everything would would affect me everything emotionally physically um just uh uh a sudden uh just um, emptiness and uh, and uh, just remembering, I I wouldn't smile. It was just um, like like if I was just floating and and, and, and doing everything uh, out of just because it had to work because I had to function and I had to wake up every morning and go to work and and, and be with my kids and and uh, drop them off at, at, at daycare and uh, and things like that. But uh, I I just don't don't remember um not know i i did not know what was going on why i was doing this mm-hmm. uh until when i when i went into my retreat that's when i uh when i was able to um to when i talked to the person and in, and in, in, uh, over the phone the the counselor from uh rachel's vineyard that's when um everything made sense of uh of Why I had, why I was feeling the way that I felt when, um, for 19 years. It was 19 years that I've been carrying that guilt, that shame, uh, no one to talk to about it. Uh, How could I, how could you talk to someone about, uh, about what you did to your child? Um Who could you sit down and have coffee with and say, "Oh, I'm so sad, and I'm depressed, and I think this is what's happening because I just have this anger and this shame and and I cry and i and I curl up in in a in a fetus position in my bed, and I don't know what's happening um but um since since everything was just going so fast, my kids growing up and having to work and having to do many things uh it it just didn't dawn on me that it was it was depression and it was just uh uh the kind of uh postpartum um uh what's the word uh yes depression yeah. i guess yeah. a traumatic uh, uh the trauma and um until uh until like i said nineteen years later it's it's when i when when I realized it was
1: that, yeah. Let me uh, just uh, remind everybody: we're talking about Rachel's Vineyard Retreats. So there's one coming up this Friday on the 17th of March. If you uh, relate to this story, maybe you are suffering as Debbie Calusa said in any way. Maybe it wasn't you that had the abortion, or maybe you're like uh, the the man who you know pressured somebody. Maybe you you paid for it. Maybe you you know drove the person to the abortion clinic. Uh, if you have any regret, uh, we ask you to uh, perfectly consider this. Retreat that's coming up on March seventeenth through nineteenth. There's also two more later on this year that we'll tell you about as well. Abigail is on the phone with me. Uh, Abigail, just a, a little bit more about your story, and, and thank you so much for sharing it. it it's a beautiful story. Um, what what finally caused you to ha- to go on the retreat? Uh, you know, nineteen years after the abortion. Uh, I know you told me off the air that you actually drove. To another uh, I think to north texas but uh, how how did the, how did that decision to finally find the healing come about
2: well uh, I guess since I was uh hiding from God so for nineteen years uh i had um uh, like everything bad would happen to me like every uh, everything that uh, that could possibly happen uh flat tires bounce checks um uh, the work schedules uh, a, a lot of a lot of things that i of course i cannot think of all of them right now um but um when i uh when i moved uh, uh well i was living close to to dallas and um um i worked in 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 this job for 5 years and of course my boss would see uh all the struggles that i would go through like uh, like i said um it, it was just everything—emotional um, stuff, or or damage to my vehicles, or or money that wouldn't wouldn't last. Uh, it was just uh, one thing after another, and being a hardworking person and uh, and uh, just just trying to get ahead in life, it, there was just always something that would prevent me from 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 moving forward, like from just getting just I guess succeeding or being happy, or I, I, it was i was just existing and uh and then uh, i remember uh, that uh, one of those days um he asked me like what's going on what happens with you and uh, i i broke down I, I i trusted him with with my story and uh he was very kind in in asking me do if i find someone uh that can talk to you would you do it and i i remember asking him who would who would care to talk to someone like me um, who would like because of what i did like immediately knowing i would knowing what i did i would be judged and of course that no one's going to want to hear my story of course that I, that i deserve everything that i'm going through and um and uh, no um he just put it in my head and um uh, um uh, immediately i went uh, to google i had never in 19 years uh, never even occurred to to research or to look for for help or everything one because i didn't know exactly what was happening to me another because i didn't think there was this kind of support and um in the first uh, in the search um when it came up uh the first search was the first uh, um name was Rachel Bennard. so i i went in there and i read and <laughs> i was wow this is this is what 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 happened to me and um, I remember uh, writing down the phone number and the information for the next retreat. I did mine in Spanish, and uh, and write I wrote the phone number and just put it there in, in front of my of my keyboard. And it I don't know how long it lasted there. And and Eileen um, says that uh, that maybe I wasn't ready, but then one day I just picked up the phone and uh, and called and I spoke with her and just just um, her. Her demeanor, her tonal voice, uh, her words, and, and when she said you have post-traumatic uh, uh, abortion, the, the trauma from the abortion, and uh, just there, um, I felt uh, so much peace and uh, and wow, like somebody understood. It was yes, like she she literally could read me, and and she was over the phone, and and yeah. I just was by me explaining, and um, I felt such peace and. Um, and uh, I immediately uh, enrolled in the in the in, in the retreat, and and yes, of course, I mean, I drove a few hours to to go and and attend. And now I'm 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 proud to say that I'm a part of the team.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, I, I anything I can do to for someone that is going through something similar to help them um, just find a sense of peace that I that I feel now. I can smile. I can. I learned how to pray, and, uh, and with with love, and with uh, by feeling acceptance, and uh, uh, no more shame, no more guilt, no more sorrow. It's just uh, uh, now a, a real nice sense of, of forgiveness that I'm that I'm enjoying.
1: Oh wow, that's a beautiful story. And uh, just I was making notes as you're talking. And that word "peace" when you said talking to Eileen, and you know, perhaps in the first time in 19 years you felt some sense of peace. And God bless the the the, the boss, the gentleman who, who who suggested you get help. Uh, so wow, what a what a transformation, uh, Ab- Abigail. Th- thank you for that that story. And I I know that there are people listening right now, Debbie, who you know, can relate to it and just say, you know, now's my time. I, I need to finally pick up the phone like Abigail did. So uh, in, I just want to get your impressions. I know you probably know Abigail's story quite well, but uh, all that she said, um, there's a lot there. But uh, your 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 kind of reaction as the coordinator of the Rachel Vineyards?
0: I think it's really important what Abigail said uh, when she uh, thought, who would want to hear my story? Mm-hmm. And the answer is we do. We at Rachel's Vineyard Retreat, that's why we're there. We are here to listen to your story, to be compassionate. We do not show any judgment. Um, I think Abigail mentioned that too, that she was thinking people are going to judge her. Um, And this is an absolute judgment-free place where many of the people on team have also had an abortion experience and have gone through Rachel's Vineyard retreat so they understand. So um and, and I'm so glad that Abigail uh that she called and you know saying that she heard Eileen's voice giving her peace. Um that would be my voice when people call for the English retreats and then also the voices of all of the wonderful people we have on team also have that same comforting Um, way about them and they are able to to bring peace to the person who needs it.
1: Yeah, one of the, the parts of Abigail's story that really uh, resonated. Well, I, I kind of perked up when she said it was uh, the, the impact that it had on her other kids because she had the two other children, and uh, you know she was you know, having bouts of rage and you know impatience, and everything seemed to be going wrong. And so, you know, people listening, it, it is about you. It is about your own forgiveness, but so many other people in your Circle of life are going to be blessed when you 're blessed right I mean it it isn 't just about the person it 's about everybody else that uh will because everybody wants mom to be to do be healthy and well right and 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 so it, it if you don 't do it for yourself, do it for everybody else in in your life because they 'll be blessed by it
0: absolutely because you can 't i mean you might be able you you might think you can hide the abortion, but you cannot hide you know, the anger or the depression that comes from it, and that definitely affects the people around you. And so, yeah, you're right. Do this for your whole family and for anyone that you come in contact with who will absolutely see the transformation that you have after the retreat, the yes. joy that comes from that.
1: So somebody listening right now uh, can pick up the phone like Abadale did and did. And, uh, she, you know, she did the, the Google search, but they don't even have to do that. If you're listening right now and you have been affected by a past abortion, whether it was last month or, uh, you know, 40 years ago, you can go to racheldallas.org or email healing at racheldallas.org or you can call 214 544 CARE, which is 214 544 2273. What happens next when they call, they talk to you? Uh, what exactly will be going on this weekend, Friday through Sunday?
0: Yeah, well, uh, they will, uh, they'll call me and then I will, uh, ask some questions, talk to them a bit, get them registered. Um, and then I, you know, we'll send them some information exactly where the retreat is. Uh, we do have it at a confidential location. We don't tell people where it is just in case, you know, someone doesn't want people to know where they are, but it is at a beautiful place in the Dallas area. Um, and so then we tell them how to get there. They arrive. We, we welcome them warmly. Uh, at this retreat, um, venue, it's, it's, uh, all meals are, uh, given to you. We have a team of people that we go through several exercises that are just all about healing. Um, it is a Catholic, uh, retreat. However, we welcome anyone of any faith. Mm -hmm. Um, we do have uh, a priest who will be there with us who, who is very kind, very compassionate. Um, and we go through, we go through the weekend and I think, you know, it, it starts out kind of heavy. And, you know, I know there's some fear. There are some people who have, you know, trepidation about coming. But once the retreat gets started, everyone lightens up and they realize, wow, this is really transformational. By the end of the weekend, there is nothing but joy. And freedom.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Praise God. That only God can can give. Debbie, thank you so much uh, for your work. Coordinator of the English uh, Rachel Vineyard Retreats and um, the website again, racheldallas.org or email healing at racheldallas.org or call 214 544 2273. That spells out 214 544 care and uh abigail i want to bring you in as we close out the interview we just have a couple of minutes remaining uh well, what would you say directly to the the man or woman that's listening right now and kind of on the fence and yeah i don't know if this is my time of course it doesn't have to be this coming week it can be august 4th through 6th or november 3rd through 5th um the the those are the three english uh retreats but what would you say to that person listening right now
2: to sure, please uh, take the time if they acknowledge uh, all the symptoms and, and know that uh, or recognize that, uh, that what I just said or feel that they're feeling, they, uh, they kind of uh, seem close to, to the feelings of what I ones that I can share. Uh, they can just answer to, to the that voice in their, in their minds and in their, in their hearts and call Rachel Zinger. It is uh, the um, the best uh, thing that can happen for and AND It is uh it is overwhelming. Uh, uh, this sense of the overwhelming joy and happiness, and just how how you can um, uh, feel the the Lord's uh, love and understanding. And it's it's just uh, it's just amazing the way that you're gonna be able to to communicate with with your family members if by any chance you still have that that in the back of your head that you need to communicate to them or uh, just have something that peace and, 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 and love you know, around your family it's going to be... Uh, really,
1: really rewarding. Amen. Abigail, thank you very much. I'm sure it's uh, uh, challenging and you know be a, uh, 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 to, to tell your story, but it's a beautiful story. Thank you for your involvement in the Rachel Vineyard Retreats as well, and thank you for being on the line with us today and giving your testimony. Uh, and also, Debbie Calusa, thank you for being in studio, our, my first ever uh, in-studio guest here at our new office. And uh, once again, racheldallas.org. The retreat is this Friday through Sunday, the 17th, Through the 19th. If that's too early, then sign up for August 4th through 6th or November 3rd through 5th. There's also some Spanish language uh, retreats uh, beginning, uh, well, two, two of them remaining in June and October, but you can get all that information by calling or emailing Debbie. All right, thank you so much to both you wonderful ladies, also Diane Xavier for running the board. This has been the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. If you have suggestions for future interviews, please email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you. Have a great weekend.
3: Did you know that Mother Angelica would be 100 years old this year? In honor of this great occasion, the Guadalupe Radio Network's Spring share has the theme of celebrating the 100th birthday of Mother Angelica. It begins on Tuesday, March 21st till Friday, March 24th, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. We ask you to prayerfully consider calling in and making a donation to support Catholic Radio. Every donation of any size will be entered into a drawing for a pilgrimage for two to the EWTN headquarters in Irondale, Alabama. The number to call that week is 800-476-3311. Thank you in advance for your support.
2: This is Father Donald Calloway, inviting men 16 and older to the 12th Annual North Texas Catholic Men's Conference. Join me and other men on Saturday, April 22nd, at St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church in Frisco. We'll pray and talk about ways for men to grow deeper in their faith. God bless you this Lent, and trust in the Lord to invite friends and attend. Visit CatholicBrothersForChrist.com for details and to register.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to this very special edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We're glad you're joining us. This is a very unique interview of the week because I think it may be the first time that I can remember that Cecil Anderson, our North Texas assistant, and I did one of these together. T- together. I <laughs> yeah, mean, usually sometimes- <laughs> we do
3: them separately.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and not only do we have two hosts, but we have two guests and uh, two very special guests, and a great topic. Uh, we have on the line with us, Father Raymond McDaniel. He is the pastor of the beautiful St. Philip the Apostle Catholic Church in Flower Mound. It used to be in Louisville. They have uh, built, they're in the process of uh, building a a new church. And we also have uh, the director of music at St. Philip the Apostle Church, Dr. Catherine Schmitz, who is on the line with us as well. And we are talking about a brand new pipe organ that is being built at the uh, parish and it is really exciting news so uh, welcome to both of you and congratulations on all the exciting things happening at the parish these days thank you so much uh... uh, father mcdaniel let me start with you and uh... if you could just you know the the pipe organ is part of a a larger project of building this brand new church and i pass by it every most days as i drive my kids to school tell us about the church overall and how the pipe organ kind of fits into the, the the big master plan
4: well, we built this new started to build this campus, you know, uh last year we've built phase 1 of our beautiful new church. Actually goes back further than that as you know because it's a project that really reaches back about 8 years. We were outgrowing the previous location in Louisville and um being here in Southern Denton County, which is one of the fastest growing parts of our country, we needed to be prepared for the future and to carry out our mission of evangelizing and so forth. So we bought 40 acres um and began construction right as covid hit <laughs> but uh god's providence got us through all that and uh, we dedicated the new church uh last year on february 22nd
1: yeah great time to be building a new church huh <laughs> as uh, a pandemic <laughs> you know, hits huh? <laughs> yeah.
4: god uh, took care of us you know we we had a few of the typical delays but we we made it with, with the grace of god so yeah
1: and uh i'm going to bring dr schmitz into the conversation in just a second but father mcdaniel uh what is a pipe organ and uh, why was it important for you uh to make this part of the the plan for the construction of the new church
4: well, a pipe organ, you know, is uh, really a key part of the Catholic liturgy. If you go back to the Second Vatican Council and earlier, earlier documents, it says that, uh, you know, this is the organ that, um, after the human voice, most suitably, you know, takes the, the musical lead in, in, in the Catholic liturgy. So, um, while some alternatives, you know, can sometimes suffice, we wanted to give our very best to God and, um, and give Him a, a suitable instrument to sing His praises and lead people to participate in, in the way that they can in the Mass and, um, and to glorify God. So we're pretty excited about it. Pipe organs, as I'm sure Dr. Smith will talk more about later, you know, do this in a way that, um, that nothing else can. So uh, we're really excited about all this and um, looking forward to its um, uh, debut at Easter.
3: (laughs) Yes, it's definitely very exciting. And Dr. Schmitz, uh, you've been at St. Philip's for the last few years. I'm trying to remember what exact year that you came, but can you talk a little bit about your background and how you came to be in Texas at St. Philip the Apostle?
5: Sure. Um, So I'm actually born and raised in Texas in the Houston area. And, um, left the state for graduate school. Um, I did my master's in sacred music at the University of Notre Dame and then went to the University of Kansas for my, um, doctorate in church music. And I finished that in 2017 and I was living, working part-time at a Catholic church in Kansas City and, um, always had in the back of my mind of getting getting my feet back into Texas.
1: <laughs>
5: and uh, so I saw, you know, the St. Philip job posting open up, and I said, well, maybe I'll apply. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, it really was, you know, God's providence that uh, brought me and my family here, and we're very happy to be here. So I um, started as a director of music here at St. Philip's in September of 2020.
1: And uh, Dr. Schmitz, I, uh, congratulations. I mean, it must be a, a dream job to to be able to be there at the parish at this time as this organ is being built. Can you talk about the organ itself? I went online on the, the, the parish website, stphillipscc.org, and uh, it's an opus 3946, and I just was blown away by the pictures and how many <laughs> pipes it has. Can Can you tell us what's about the organ itself and what's unique about it?
5: Sure. Um, so the, you're right. So the opus is 3946, which means, which means that it's the 3,946 pipe organ that this company has built. Casavant is the name of the organ, is the name of the company, the pipe organ company that's building the organ and they, have built the entire thing in their workshop, so all the pipes, all the woodworking, all the components they do in house and ship it down here. It came on the truck <laughs> hmm. and um, they it has two thousand three hundred and thirteen pipes,
1: so quite a quite a few pipes. <laughs> <Just> <laughs>
5: and uh it's this has been kind of a unique project because just like our church is the church building is phase 1 so the organ is also the first phase of the organ so it will be uh a two manual instrument which means it has two keyboards um in addition to the pedals so it's typical for a pipe organ um and so it has pipes to match those different divisions Try not to get too technical, <laughs> but, um, and so that that's going to fill our current building wonderfully and just have a glorious sound. Uh, and then plans are in place when the church building is completed, when we expand the church. So then we'll also go back and expand the pipe organ because it's not quite finished. We're getting this new organ, and it's kind of, it'll be, it will be, um, it will have what it needs (laughs) to, uh, you know, to fulfill its role in supporting congregational singing and um, accompanying the choir, Uh, but it's not quite finished. There's no case around the outside, and that's all going to be part of the second phase of the instrument. So when the building expands, we'll also expand the organ to be able to fill that larger space. Do you know how many
3: pipes it would have in that second phase, like when it expands? Because, you know, it's already got like 2,300
5: <laughs> <laughs> pipes now. Yeah. Is there a number of that? It's, the, the total number is TBD, but it'll be upwards of 4,000. Wow. Wow, that's,
1: that's amazing. Father McDaniel, <laughs> how unique is a pipe organ like this in North Texas? Are there other churches, either Dallas or Fort Worth or Tyler Diocese, that have something like this, or how unique is it?
4: Well, in one way, um, you know, it's a custom-made pipe organ, so it's, it's perfectly unique. It was designed for us and the, our needs here at St. Philip's and the uh, dimensions of the room, the cubic volume, the acoustics, and so forth. So each, each pipe organ is sort of its own unique thing. And they have a personality, you know, some uh, have a French accent, some have an English accent, <laughs> uh, American organs sort of try to be eclectic and do everything. This one uh, has a little bit of a French accent because of the importance of organs in the Catholic Church in France, and which gave rise to a lot of incredible organ music and um, a great tradition of using the organ in the liturgy and teaching it and great improvisational uh, skills that French organists have and so forth. So in one sense, it's all custom-made, particularly for us. There are a lot of great pipe organs in Dallas-Fort Worth, actually, but ours is going to be taking its place among the very best.
3: Mm. That's awesome. And uh, Dr. Schmitz, I was curious, we're kind of in what's called, I think, the voicing stage of the installation. Can you kind of explain what that is? Because I thought I understood it, but I don't know if I do. (laughs) Sure.
5: Sure. Yes, so um, at this stage, the voicers are going through every single pipe, and they're tuning but also making adjustments to um, various places on the pipe that affects the volume, how um, how the sound speaks in the room. Uh, sometimes they can affect timbre slightly, um, and so they're kind of making all these adjustments both to the individual pipes and then kind of in relation to the other pipes to create a very even sound.
1: And uh, Dr. Schmiss, how, how many... People are able to play this. I, um, somebody that knows how to play a piano can't necessarily play an organ like this. Is that right? I, I'm, I'm trusting you know how to play it. And I think Cecil told me, uh, Father McDaniel, you uh, can play an organ as well. So do you have to hire new people for masses? Or who, who will be the organists?
5: Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm the principal organist at St. Philip's. I play for four of the six masses. And then I have an assistant, uh, Catherine Trausch. Uh, She's my assistant organist and so then she covers the other two masses on the weekend. Uh, And yes, you're exactly right. There is quite a difference between the piano and the organ. It's similar in that they both have keys, uh, but that's pretty much where the similarities stop.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. I, I've stared at an organ many times and I have absolutely no idea how it works. I mean, I've, I've even had people explain it to me and I still don't quite understand. I'm curious, Dr. Katie, uh, like, Dr. Schmitz, where you originally found your love for organ, um, playing since you decided to, you know, study it and now it's your job. Uh, when that first happened for you?
5: Yes, uh, well, the church. Um, I really, we had a wonderful organist at my home parish growing up. And I love to hear him play. And when I was 12, I was sent to what's called a pipe organ encounter camp at Rice University. And it's basically a week-long camp where you're kind of learning about the organ and playing the organ. And after that, I went back to the organist at my church and said, please teach me how to play this. (laughs) And I I should mention, too, I had been studying piano for several years by this point. So um, that was a natural introduction then to get into the organ. And I started lessons, and when I uh, went to undergrad, I went to Trinity University. I was uh, kind of got back into the organ and was discerning and really kind of fell in love and realized that this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And so I pursued that sacred music path. At, led me to where
1: i am today yeah praise god we are speaking to the pastor of saint philip the apostle catholic church in flower mound father raymond mcdaniel and also uh, his director of music dr katherine schmitz a lot of uh, very exciting things happening at the parish these days you can vi- visit the parish website stphilipcc.org and probably ways you can donate because they are doing big things and uh, building a brand new church in several phases and so please visit that website and check it out and uh and consider that perhaps as your parish home and also support them. We're talking about a, a new organ that is called the Opus 3946 that is going to be unveiled, uh, Easter uh, of this year. And Father McDaniel, uh, as of this recording, we're about a month, almost exactly a month away from, from Easter. And I'm just wondering how, you know, exciting the, the congregation is, the parishioners. What kind of feedback and comments are you getting from people in the parish about, uh, the big unveiling on Easter Sunday?
4: People seem really excited, you know, and I think it's it's good we We try to pay special attention to sacred music around here and um actually, I was stopped in the hallway the other day by a kid who was obviously coming out of youth group and um, never really talked to him before, but um, he must have been like fifteen or something like that, and um, he kept asking me all these questions about it, so I was pretty pleased <laughs> that the message was getting down even to uh, teenagers. Oh, yeah, he awesome. he. Uh, I asked him. He's you know he's involved in music in his school band or whatever, and um, yeah, he's he's excited. And I think there's a broad range of people that are very excited and to learn how it works too, which is it's such a complicated and interesting uh, process how the pipe organ actually works, and um, people people are thrilled. I think they will be on Easter Sunday for sure.
3: That's awesome. And, uh, you kind of touched on the importance of, uh, sacred music, Father McDaniel. And I know I've had Dr. Schmitz on one of, uh, my local shows, and we did a thorough discussion all about why the organ is kind of like the church's preferred method of music. And if you want, maybe Dr. Schmitz, you could kind of like highlight that conversation just a little bit about why we have the church has set up in a certain way that the organ is, has a special place. Um, and I guess the church's heart.
5: Yes, uh, well, um, a big part of it is the way that a pipe organ makes sound. Uh, it is very similar to the human voice. So our human voice are, is our primary instrument to praise God, right? Because it's, it's our, it's ours and it's, God gave it to us. Um, so our human voice is primary and then the pipe organ, just as we breathe and, uh, expel air to sing, the pipe organ works in a very similar way. Air is blown through the pipe that then speaks, uh, and so um, it 's it's, it's kind of a, almost like a breathing a living breathing instrument in that way, and that the use of the wind and the air to to make the sound uh, and so because because of that um, kind of mimicking of the human voice, uh, it is more. Suited than for accompanying the human voice, uh, and also too, you know, in um, it's very clear as Father mentioned in the Second Vatican Council and other Church documents that the pipe organ has this primary um, place. And just if you look throughout liturgical history as well, the pipe organ has retained um, has was introduced into the liturgy. Oh, Ninth, 10th century-ish, something like that, um, and uh, had been used, again, for accompanying the human voice, and it has retained that status throughout the centuries.
1: Uh, Father McDaniel, you, you mentioned Easter Sunday being the, the big unveiling of the, the pipe organ, the first liturgy that will be used, uh, and then you all also said that you're going to be continuing to build on the pipe organ in the church. Do you have any... Uh, can you share with our listeners the timeline of when you expect uh, the pipe organ to be finished and maybe even the, the church itself to be completed?
4: Well, those two things will, of co- course, go together. That's a pretty, pretty big undertaking. Um, our next phase of developing our campus is going to be a parish hall with some uh, a good number of religious ed classrooms attached because as we've moved out here we've experienced a lot of growth and uh especially in religious education and the numbers there so this is the next need of our parish so that's sort of the phase 2 we're getting started with that right now and then um hopefully after a few years we'll be able to think about finishing the church and finishing the organ
1: very nice and i i just want to ask our listeners anybody who's listening right now uh, to support this, if you can, uh, I will say, and we've said this many times on the air, there there is not a more supportive parish uh, that I that we know of than St. Philip for Guadalupe Radio Network. As far as our car raffle and uh, tithing, and so we're very very grateful to you, Father McDaniel, for your support of Guadalupe Radio Network, and we'd like we'd ask our listeners to also support your effort. Uh, is there any information as far as how people can do that, or the need, or anything that you'd like to share as far as what, what's what's going to take to finish? this
4: well we're like i mentioned are our next uh, phase two project is going to be the parish hall uh, with the religious head classrooms we're working on that right now and our website uh, gives lots of information about that and uh, about ways people might be able to support the parish and also of course support catholic radio
1: and uh, dr schmitz the i'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to come and see it uh, for, especially after easter and maybe get a tour uh, there's a lot to to talk about. Will you be giving tours, or is that something people can call you about and say, "Hey, would I like to bring my homeschool group or my my family by?" Or uh, tell us about that. Is that an option?
5: Yes, absolutely. That's something that we've been discussing of uh, of having having um, specific times for tours that people can sign up, or you know, if people you know people can also reach me. Personally, and, and and arrange that. But yes, absolutely, I'd be very happy to give tours and to show off this beautiful instrument.
4: We've Dave, We have oh. a. Um, oh, sorry. No, Dave, go ahead. But I wanted to mention. Sorry, Cecil. So, so I wanted to mention that we have uh, one of the world's great organists uh, coming here on May the nineteenth. I believe it is. Is that right, Katie? That's, yes. Um, the, the one of the organists of Notre Dame in Paris to give oh, uh, wow. the inaugural public recital, and his name is Vincent Dubois and uh it's kind of really uh, incredible wonderful organist and so he'll be able to show it off people are certainly invited to come to that
1: and he'll c- certainly really uh relate to re- uh, rebuilding a church i know <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. they got that same <laughs> process going on there oh that that's very exciting and we would love to come out and do a live remote broadcast uh in in conjunction with that if not earlier if that's possible but uh, anyway well, sis i know you had wonderful. a question
3: yeah. oh i was just wondering you're talking about the debut being easter is it going to be the easter vigil mass is the first time that it's played I I just need a plan you know for
5: personal purposes what mass i need to show up to <laughs> yes the easter vigil is where the organ will be highlighted Ooh, very exciting yeah
1: yeah and uh, I, I just uh, I, I don't know how many people are uh, how are you going to do crowd control for easter uh weekend because uh, there's gonna be a lot of people that are just gonna want to be out there you know prisoner do, do you expect father mcdaniel a lot of non prisoners to be coming out for this occasion on easter weekend
4: uh, you know, we always get a lot of extra people, like every parish, on Easter, and it's wonderful to see them coming. Um, you know, we we always think about crowd control on Christmas and Easter, and where we're <laughs> going to put people, because we have such a wonderful, wonderful response. And I hope that uh, the organ will inspire them, and I know it will. Um, you know, there's something there's something particularly valuable spiritually about trying to sing God's praises. You know, we we say words and we pray in words and. We repeat the creed and the other parts of the mass and so forth, but something can reach down deeper into the heart and soul, I think, when we try to, when we try to sing God's praises. And, uh, you know, St. Augustine is credited, maybe, maybe accurately or not, I'm not sure, about saying something like, if you sing, you sort of pray twice. (laughs) But there's a truth in that, no matter who said it, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, music can, can, um, like all the, all those things that we, we know, that we sang, cause we learned them a long time ago, and they're, they're sort of in our heart, and I believe that's part of the, part of the uh, uh, effectiveness of, of sacred music.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to thank you. We're down to our last few minutes here. I've been speaking to Father Raymond McDaniel, the pastor of St. Philip the Apostle Catholic Church in Flower Mound, and also Dr. Catherine Schmitz, the director of music at the parish. The address is 5201 Cross Timbers Road in Flower Mound, 75022. It's a beautiful, beautiful church from the outside and inside. Uh, I invite everybody to visit the website. It's stphilipcc.org, Philip cc.org and father mcdaniel will give you the last word and perhaps you could uh, impart a blessing to those who are listening as well anything else uh, uh, other than an invitation if people want to come early on the easter <laughs> vigil about two or three hours before the mass starts and get a seat or uh, well what else would you like to tell our listeners about this exciting uh, news f- for the parish
4: i think i'd like to just uh, invoke a great speaker and great musician himself and a very saintly man our former uh, recently deceased Pope Benedict XVI, who said that the possibilities of the organ in some way remind us of the immensity and magnificence of God. And this is what we're all about at the end of the day anyway, right? Glorifying God and um, helping each other to become saints. And in all these ways that we do that, sacred music, organs can do that. And that's my prayer, and that's my wish for all of your listeners who ask Almighty God to bless in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you to
1: both of you, Cecil. Great uh, working with you here, <laughs> tag teaming on this interview. We've been really excited about this for I'm a long very excited. time. I uh, also want to thank Diane Xavier. She's been running the board, and also Sarah Fritcher, our, the director of communications there at Saint Philip the Apostle Parish, and she's the one that arranged all this and got it all set up. And I know she's listening. So, Sarah, thank you very much uh, for your work. Uh, Father McDaniel, thank you for your continued support of uh, the the station, and uh, Dr. Schmitz. We appreciate your time uh, today as well thank you for being with us thank thanks you. dave always great to be with you thank you so much and again everybody the website st philipcc.org st uh, check out this uh, opus 3946 over at st philip the apostle catholic church which will be unveiled for the first time uh, Easter Vigil Mass. Try to get there before Sissel, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for listening. If you have suggestions for future interviews, uh, you can reach out uh, to me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you. Have
4: a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM interview of the week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week.
3: I had braces, but now my teeth are not straight. Can I correct them?
4: Hi, I'm Dr. Kyle Eberline with Mid-Cities Dental,
5: a sponsor of this great station. Yes, we can straighten them with clear liners, in which most people will not be able to see. It's an upgrade from the traditional braces and can help improve your smile.
4: Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco Dallas Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Catholic radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.